A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. There's a lot of discussion about what the, the new world order will be. We will be looking at what contact tracing looks like in the new world order. In the new world order. Individual carbon footprint tracker. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. We need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance. To be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's almost time for the great culling to begin. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. This is Connect Those Dots. Well, hello there, fam, and all of you beautiful little dot connectors out there. Welcome to another episode here of this humble little podcast, Connect Those Dots, and I am your humble little host, Joe Wakili. And uh, dot connectors, I got a cool one for you today. Uh, another guest here on Connect Those Dots. We're doing it. We're doing it big. We're having guests now consistently. Uh, I got some dude that uh, I found on Instagram. He posts killer content, super matrix breaking, anti New World Order stuff. And uh, he's got quite a big following. Uh, this is Angel from the pro uh, the profile on Instagram, Gold Pills. What up, Gold Pills? What is up, man? What's well, good, brother? So uh, just a here. little intro to yourself, like what you do on your profile and like sort of uh, what red pilled you. Like we'll get into what gold pills are later, but we all know what red pills are. So what red pilled you and put you on this journey? Yeah, so it's actually it's an in interesting kind of a story. So I didn't really have one in particular red pill moment, but I had a series of them. And, um, you know, the kind of content I do, first of all, on my Instagram page and my YouTube was really just meant to be an expression of things that I think of randomly. Like, I don't have a form to my content. I don't have a store for you to buy crappy merchandise from. Uh, I don't sell hats. I don't. Uh, I don't sell anything. I don't even have a, an Etsy or a, or a, what is it, Shopify. Like, it's literally just a page I set up because I wanted to make content that I liked. I didn't care what anyone else liked, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But yeah. it turned it just turned into having a life of its own, you know? People gra grasp onto it. Some people like all my stuff. Some like some of it, and some hate some of it, and some like half of it, but... Um, the audience is there, man. People are just, it's growing and, and it grows fast. Um, started out with like, I got like 600 followers overnight. <laughs> I know that feeling, dude. It, it comes like an avalanche, right? Like you, yeah. all you gotta do is just post that one viral clip. You don't know why it goes mm -hmm. viral. You don't know why it spreads out into the ether, but it does. And then all of a but sudden you get hit with this tsunami of like followers and engagement and all this stuff. If Sometimes it feels like my Frankenstein, bro. Like, it's, yeah, it's its own life, you know? I know, mm. dude. I'm starting to know that feeling, too, because, like, <laughs> uh, I remember, like, struggling for, like, 
almost a year on connect those dots where I couldn't even crack a thousand, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I post this one viral clip. I, I had no idea it was going to go viral. I was just chilling at home like one Saturday night. And I was like, damn, I haven't posted in a while. Let me just post this silly little Alex Jones clip of him ranting. And then all of a sudden I wake up the next day. It's got like a million views. And yeah, those are my favorite, by the way. No, thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, I like to. I like <laughs> bro, to post... anybody, any, every page that posts random clips of of Alex Jones's rants, I pretty much follow, bro. It's... Jones out of context is uh, everybody loves Jones out of context. Yeah, yeah I made the the it, Super it, Saiyan it, one. It, yeah, I was just uh, listening it's to turning him the frogs gay. Yeah, I mean everybody's saying how how the gay how gay the frogs are now. You got RFK talking about it. You got all these doctors and scientists. They they always talking about frogs and atrazine now, dude. That yeah. was the ultimate meme. If we're gonna talk about like what red pilled people, when I was like sort of before I was really awake to the Matrix and all this stuff and the New World Order and eugenics and the World Economic Forum and depopulation, so on and so forth. You know, I would watch Alex Jones on JRE and stuff, and he'd mm -hmm. say all these things, and then they would pull up the um the, the the actual fact check, like the real fact check. And he's like, "Damn, wow, the frogs actually are gay." And it's not a meme anymore to say the frogs are gay. Like you got RFK on the frogs are actually gay out here. They're sucking each other <laughs> off. Dude, I'll tell you what. So Alex Jones was one of my red pill moments. I had a couple major ones. He was a big one, but um, seems to be like so, that for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean that's his. I feel like he's really that guy is fulfilling his calling in life. But I'll, I'll tell you what, man. When I was a young kid, um, my cousins who were significantly older than me, they were visiting from California. I live in Arizona. They were visiting from California, and uh, I was probably like nine or 10 years old, I think. And uh, they were talking to me about a book by William Cooper called Behold a Pale Horse. And uh, I wasn't, I, I was nine years old. There was very few concepts of the book that I could <laughs> that, grasp. That's heavy. But, that's heavy for a nine-year-old. Yeah, but, uh, but I was a, a incredibly gifted nine-year-old as well. And I love the challenge of reading things that were very far above my level. So, uh, so I liked looking into that kind of stuff and it kind of set me on this journey of looking into obscure things like that. And, and from about the time of nine to the time about time of, I was like about my early twenties, I would research this stuff, but there's always a caveat, right? It was always like, I'm looking into this stuff and it was almost like it was entertaining, but how much of it was real and, 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 and what, you know, it felt like fear mongering. It felt like it was a horror story. It was a ghost yeah. tale. And and, and then yeah. just like anything else that I thought I was into horror stories, I was into ghost tales. So I was into this for that reason. But when I became old, when I got older around the age of about 24, 25, it's when I really started researching things hardcore and I had gotten, you know, the internet was more prominent by this time when I was nine years old, there was no internet to speak of, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, at least not where I grew up, because I grew up in the hood. So if you had internet, you were like rich wow, or whatever. So, so you were like red-pilled at a very young age, I guess. I mean, you read Behold the Pale well, Horse at nine years old? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I looked into it, reread it again when I was like 17. But, but the thing is, it wasn't just that book. There was a lot of stuff. So my mom, when I say we grew up poor, I mean we grew up really poor. Like, you know, picking roaches out my government cereal before putting water in it to eat it, because that's all we had for like the poorest people in the country. And my mom 
knew that I was incredibly smart and I loved reading, but she couldn't afford to buy me books. So those scholastic school book fairs, dude, like, yeah, I, I, there's no way I could have ever afforded it. I would get like bookmarks and stickers. I couldn't afford the books. But my mom, you know, when she was running around uh, hitting yard sales or whatever, she would find a box of books. She would just buy it and bring it home for me. It didn't matter what the books were. So she, this actually was a blessing because my mom brought home books that were like college age level reading stuff. And I mean, there was these books on all kinds of stuff, psychic abilities, UFOs, um, biblical stuff, uh, historical stuff, stuff about space. I was really fascinated about space at a young age. So my mom would just buy me random books, bring them home, and she knew I would just read them and be happy with it. So that was fine, you know. And so I, I, my, by the time I was like, I don't know, by the time I was like in the fifth grade, I was reading above a college level reading, you know, level. And so my, the other part, the other side of this story is that I grew up with half the time with my mom and half the time with her parents. My grandparents were incredibly devout Christian people. Mm -hmm. They were non-denominational Christian, but they were so uh, spiritual. And my grandmother, who was a prayer warrior, spent a lot of time explaining to me from a very young age, as far back as I can remember, actually, I can remember being like three years old four years old, my grandmother telling me that there was real supernatural occurrences and entities in this world and that we were the family, the, we had a spiritual DNA in us, that we were the children of a living God, that's the way she used to tell me. My grandmother's first language is Spanish. When she would talk to me in English, she would tell me things, and I didn't know if it was like a mistranslation, if that was what she meant to say, but I always remember the way she said certain things. And she said, Mijito, you're the son of a living God. And that means that, you know, we're in the center of a spiritual battle or warfare. So she explained to me about these like spiritual entities that existed, you know, demons and stuff like that. And other people would be kind of off put by that. You know, how are you going to say something like this to a four year old? Like, by the way, the devil's real. Have a good night. Turn the lights out now. Right. (laughs) Good night, mijo. Yeah. You know, so, uh, that's what puts it in your head when you get up to get a drink of water at two in the morning and you're shutting the lights off while you're running through each room. Oh my back God. Yeah. You right? know what though? I, the, I completely agree with you. Like I completely agree with everything that you're saying. Spiritual warfare, interdimensionality, um, vibes, you know, like the trendies like to talk about, I'm about vibes. Sure. I like <laughs> vibes. I feel the vibes, but vibes are actually real vibes, it vibrations, is are all around us all the time, unseen, but they are around us all the time. And we do feel those vibes. And I feel like children actually sort of have more of a sensitivity to that. Yes, 100%. I, I feel the same because it was never stronger in my life than when I was a child. And and I'll tell you right now, I had, I had like I said, it was hard for me to understand certain things. Now, I fully, under, I wouldn't say I fully understand, but now I feel like I understand immensely deeper uh, knowledge of these things and my grandparents who were very simple people i mean simple naive kind of people i don't mean that in a negative way derogatory way but they were just simple people they they would pure, explain you know pure of so heart very pure yeah very pure very innocent my grandma well, my grandmother gave her life to, to jesus christ when she was like 14 years old you know she didn't know no other life and um she uh would tell me you know that the bible and the scripture was the living word of god 
and that we needed to, you know, have the word in us and that the word created everything around us. And I'm just like, as a kid, I'm like, you mean words, like the words on the paper? I didn't understand, but word is in like, you he spoke it into existence. It was a, a frequency, a vibration, yeah, sound. Yeah. When you speak words, you're literally just speaking in a way that causes a vibration. It causes someone else's eardrum to vibrate at a certain frequency and it translates into understandable language. So with that knowledge now, having a deeper understanding, my grandmother calling it the living word, uh, it makes a lot more sense to me now. So if I fast forward, though, the living like said, vibration, the living frequency, the living, word. The living yeah. yep, you tap the into that. Frequency. And you know what, dude, yeah. about frequencies, man, it's real. It's 100 percent real, yeah. because when you do good. And when you're feeling good and when you, you you are doing something that you know in your heart to be the right choice, you resonate with that and you feel up and you feel uplifted. But then on yeah. the other hand, when you're doing hood rat shit, when you're do when you're stealing stuff, when you're like doing illegal stuff, when you're getting over on people, when you're lying to people, going behind people's back, you're it's feeling that frequency yeah. too. And you're resonating with that frequency. You're getting in line in sync with that frequency and you can feel it. And it, it, the more you resonate with it, the more you become it. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, it'll reshape you. It reshapes you. So I, I used to do. I used to think this way when I was a kid, and I was innocent because somewhere along the way, trust me, I lost my innocence. But as a child, I remember when I was exposed to something that didn't feel right, I would get this kind of vibration in the pit of my stomach telling me it was wrong. It was like an alarm to let me know when I was seeing something I shouldn't be seeing. Whether it was like a sexual act in a movie or something someone was doing to someone else in real life that I didn't like, or something someone was doing to me, or whatever the case was, something that I, I felt like I shouldn't be here right now. Yeah. It would always be almost feel like a vibrational yeah. feeling in my gut, you know, that, <clears throat> that chakra point right here that's just telling you this is wrong. And I feel that after you ignore it for so long, and, and you're right, what you just said right now, it's almost like the freak. It's like your whole being starts resonating and then events in your life start resonating at the same frequency, which I think is why the Bible has clear instructions about holding your tongue and keeping your thoughts captive and, you know, things like that. Because after so many times of ignoring it and you kind of see people around you are going along with it, especially if yeah. you're around like pervert, perverse people or worldly people, and you kind of just go along with it yourself after a while. Yeah. Because so their long, frequencies are also resonating around you, and then yep. you're gonna have to get on their level. It's it's so true. And you know what I equate it to? If uh, if you've ever watched a anime, if you've ever watched the anime Death Note, uh, the main character, uh, he's sort of like got this god complex, right? And he mm -hmm. lives a double life. And he, he has this notebook that can kill anybody he thinks about. He writes their name in the notebook. Yeah. He can kill anybody. And so he has he's he, he's getting this God complex and controlling life and lying to his family and his friends and like living this double life. And you see he has these inner monologues where he talks about how smart he is and he talks about how and when when you're living that life, you're resonating with that frequency. You're getting oh, yeah, I got power. I'm getting over on people. Yeah, it feels good. But then you also know in the in, in the back of your mind that it's bad so when you first start dipping your toes in those waters it's like oh i don't, I don't know if i want to do this but it kind of feels good and then the more you dip your toe in it then now you're starting to swim in it now you're diving in now you're yeah. you're, you're doing backstroke you know your body and that, temperature adjusts and it's it, crazy and this becomes, man this becomes what's normal this becomes
becomes what's normal over time. Yeah. That's and people exactly can't even realize that. And people can't even really make those connections. And one thing that I want to share with uh, the dot connectors here, is, especially since we're talking about frequencies here. Um, th the main thing when I discovered you, Gold, is um, this funny ass meme that you posted of modern hip hop. Here, let me get it up real quick. This funny meme here of modern hip hop. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One second. Audio is not available. Oh no. Why is not? Oh, what? they probably they probably deleted the original audio. Dude, I was just listening to it. Possibly, possibly. Oh my god, man. Yeah, it's like you, you're shocked. I mean, I I unplugged from. Dude, I was TV literally just listening. Joe, bro, I was literally just listening to this before we fired up the podcast. Yeah, it, I don't know. Sometimes it happens. They pull audio a lot, bro. I've noticed that when I go That's back to nuts. look at my old reels. Yeah. Well, it, it just packed me it. up. Here you are in the fake car, and you're playing like this this fake rap song, and it's just <laughs> and like you're yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, it cracked me up. So you inspired me. To make my own sort of uh, version of this, I, I made a sort of a copycat version of this, but I made my own song to it. I let the dog lick the peanut butter off the pussy. Let the dog lick the peanut butter off the let the let the let the let the dog lick the peanut butter off the pussy. Let the dog lick the peanut butter. The dog, the dog. You like that track? The dog ad libs, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dog is featured on the track. Yeah, the dog is doing the ad libs, bro. It's great. But you know what's so crazy is like people hit me up and they were like, Joe, you took it too far. Why'd you do that? That's so gross. Like, why'd you say this is literally the type of stuff that they're rapping about now? Like, it's just disgusting yeah. and gross as you can imagine. And like, yeah, let me, wild, I, man. I rest my case. Wow. Let me show you this right now. Yeah, Hit the bills like you better sell that cat. Pop that cat, throw that cat. Hit the bills like you better sell that cat. I'm five foot for my throw six six. I'm a wretched bitch. Suck a me. Can't do it. Turn it off. Bro, Sir, I, I... bro did, she had the baby with her, bro, and the carrier. She's bro, I mean, the... like, it's like a race to see who could be the most ratchet. Yeah. Yeah. I want to play this one more time. I want to play this one more time. It's shocking. Just, just one more time, folks. <laughs> just straight booty in your face. Pop that cat, throw that cat. Hit the bills like you better sell that cat. Pop that cat, throw that cat. Hit the bills like you better sell that cat. I'm five foot for my throw six six. I'm a wretched bitch. Suck on me. Fires which hit the island of Maui. I bet if you went to the original video of that, dude, it's probably like mi multiple millions of views, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's garbage. And it's like, so you, I, I grew up kind of listening to rap music and like it got ratchet too. Like I listened to like, like three, six mafia. I listened yeah, to yeah, crime yeah. mob. I listened to like, you know, damn franchise boys, uh, boys in the hood. I, I would listen to some hood ass shit. But it, it never got to the point where I felt like so uncomfortable. And when I was listening to it, it was like fringe. It was not something that was yeah, played that, naturally that, on radio. That, 
that's the thing that I remember is I listened to that stuff too. And I was part of a, a group, you know, a, 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 a part of a, you know, a demographic of society that was not mainstream at all. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's like, this is what your kids are going to be listening to at prom. And dude, that's all of the popular, like female rappers from what, I don't know a lot of them, but I know Ice Spice. She's super popular now. All yeah, she talks about is red. being a hoe and twerking. Sexy Red. Sexy one. Red, Meg the Stallion, yeah. uh, Meg, Cardi B. Cardi B. Like, Garbage. Nicki Minaj was really one of the OGs. I mean, but like Lil Kim, she kind of changed. She kind of, she kind of started changing a little bit, though. I think she started like she's starting, she's starting to wake up. She's starting up to wake up. Bit. Yeah, she's starting to understand that she was taken advantage of by the satanic record uh, companies for sure. There you and go. Like, even, even, um, like Lil Kim. If you listen to Lil Kim back in the day, the shit she would say was disgusting, like disgusting. Yeah, yeah, but Lil Kim, like, I mean, like, it. It was like a niche audience, like even like Crime Mob, like Nug, If You Buck, like that. They weren't playing that on like the popular TikTok songs or whatever was, you know, for the normies back in the day. It was a fringe society. Like they, they're not going to play Slayer on the hits channel. You know what I mean? Like, that was like the hip hop sort of fringe underground deep in the crates community. And since we were talking about frequencies, man, like that especially the hip hop today is very satanic. I feel like yeah. I, ever since I stopped listening to hip hop, I would tell like some of my friends that still listen to hip hop. I'm like, bro, why does everything sound like Halloween? Every beat sounds like it's Halloween goblins in the fucking night bopping around. You know, am I right? Bats in the belfry, bro. Check it out, man. I, uh, I had a girl a while ago, dude. This this girl I was I was with for a minute. She was a, a massage therapist, and you know I had to weed out her clientele so we didn't have like perverts and stuff hitting her up. So she had like a like a pretty decent clientele, and one of the ladies that was her client was also a massage therapist, right? So she was looking for like someone who was a professional. So like my girl was 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 you know her massage therapist for a while. Well, it turned out you know you talk to your massage therapist, like guys talk to your barber, you know what I'm saying? You share stuff. Well, it turned out this girl told my girl that she was uh, in the music industry. Actually, she was a vocal trainer and she used to train people for like the voice and American Idol and stuff like that. Well, this chick was in country music. Um, she used to have a recording studio in Nashville. I think she dated Kenny Chesney, you know, she was like in the industry. So when my girl asked her why she got out of the industry, she said there was too many Satanists in it. And she, my girl was like, you mean in country music? She's like, yeah, yeah, country wow. music. You never said that country music. No, check this out. She said uh, that she could tell us which one of the, which country stars were witches and stuff, and devil worshippers. But she said that the executives at these record labels, she said, but here's the thing. She said the majority of these devil worshippers are in hip hop production, hip hop producers. But she said that when she was uh, producing for country music, you know, country music, the labels, when they do the first pressing of an album, what they do is they take the first original press. They go and take that album or that CD. They go and place it on an altar. And they perform a satanic ritual and they pray that anybody who hears it on the radio or wherever, anybody who hears this music, that they will have tragedy in their life, that it will invite demons into their life, that they will have, you know, I mean, they just pray for horrible, they pray for horrible things to, to 
it happened in the world for anybody who listens this to this music, the frequency of this music, before they ever put it on the radio or play it at a party or anything. So she was telling us that a majority of these devil worshippers that do this, these labels, though, are at, in hip-hop labels. And that's why she got out of the industry. Yeah, you know, it's so funny about country music that you say that about country music. We'll get back into hip hop in a second. But you ever see that conspiracy theory of like uh, this main satanic witch, uh, Zena LaVey? Mm hmm. Zena LaVey, was she related to Anton LaVey? Yes. So Zena LaVey, uh, she says that she was going to reincarnate and become a pop star. And uh, it's just funny. She looks exactly like Taylor Swift. It's like nuts. <laughs> Maybe it could be, but I don't know. Like, I'll tell you right now, bro. So back to hip hop real quick. Like, yeah. I, I just want to I just want to substantiate what you're saying with actual facts. So this uh, this profile, you won't believe me, is a pretty good profile and posts a lot about exposing the demonic side of hip hop. And this is NBA Youngboy. He's one of the uh, biggest rappers nowadays. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was making a lot of satanic stuff back in his early days. And I think he's being remorseful now. NBA Yangboy is one of the most popular younger rappers out there. And in an interview, he was reflecting on all the music he made, and it just sounds like he regretted everything. Take a look. Man, I was flooded with millions of dollars from the time I was 16. And I woke up one morning, and I was like, damn, they got me. Man, look at the shit I spoke about. Look at the shit I put in these people's ears. Man, I feel very wrong about a lot of things. How many lives I actually am responsible for when it comes to my music? How many kids and people have gotten a call or put this shit in their ears and actually went hurt someone? And now I'm sitting back like, damn. I guess it is true when they say, be careful what you wish for, because a common trend I've been seeing in these people who have made it to the top of the music industry is that it comes with a lot of regret from the things they've said and done in their career. In my last nope. video, yeah. Yeah, you know, this is the thing. These 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 people, man, these young kids that are caught up in the fads and the fashion, they're making these videos, they're making these music videos and they're making these songs. This is like going to be a regrettable thing for them in the future if if God calls them out of that. It's kind of like the girls that are putting nude photos of themselves online or doing OnlyFans, you know, when you want to when you realize that's not what life is about, and and you don't feel so loose and fast with your morals anymore and and something starts changing in you you can't take that stuff back once it's on the internet you've exposed yourself you've given people access to yourself in a way that you should not have and it's and it's going to be regrettable and uh same thing i tell people about posting stuff on social media see i've been a recording artist for 18 years i'm actually a rapper too I've been a recording artist for 18 years, and my first, the music I used to make, bro, I was, you know, I was a, an active gang member for a long time, and the music that I made, bro, was just uh, horrible worldly music. Evil. Uh, I would, I would never make a song like that nowadays. I would never. I want my daughters. My daughter's gonna grow up and hear the music I made, bro. Like I'm legitimately embarrassed by some of it. It reminds you know me of Bryson Gray. Uh, Bryson Gray has a similar story as you. Uh, he's like probably one of the most popular sort of Christian MAGA rappers, I guess, out now. And he talks about how back in the day he he was like top of the charts, like 106 in Park in the in the mm -hmm. uh, the, the 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 sort of 
groups that yep. he was in and it was all just booty shaking music and the record yep. labels would tell him like you got okay if if you're if you guys aren't making booty shaking songs like we're not going to sign you like every song needs to be about shaking booty needs to be about sluttiness it needs to be about that's what we need from you and like if you're not going to do that then we're going to you know cut ties with you and then he's like dude i, I don't want to do this no more and like like just Gave like you mm-hmm. got Bryson close to god to go by the rap name serious that's crazy yeah, that's serious. crazy. He's I I broke. used to I, I never actually said this on Connect Those Dots. I alluded to it, but I used to work in the music industry. I used to work at a Sirius XM satellite radio and um, I worked there for five years and I had to stop working there because of their jab mandate. But, you know, whatever, that's uh, no, neither here nor there. That's one of the things that actually red pilled me or gold pilled me rather. <laughs> but uh, so I. I saw a lot of artists and I told this, I've told the story on connect those dots, but I never actually specified the the company. Um, But I saw artists that are now household names come in when nobody knew who they were. Lizzo came in 2019. Nobody knew who she was. All of a sudden, few weeks later, after she's at Sirius XM, she's got friggin', she's a household name. She's everywhere. She's got a, a HBO documentary. Doja Cat. I met when Doja Cat came into Sirius XM. I did her. I ran her studio session for uh, Shade 45. She came in. I never heard of her before in 2019. I was like, oh, damn, Doja Cat. Who's going to come in now? It's probably going to be some ghetto ratchet ass like crime mob type chick. She came in and she's like this clean cut, like pretty girl. And like yeah. well spoken and charming and nice. I'm like, oh hi, Doja Hollywood, Cat. Ru- Hollywood ruined her, bro. And now all of a sudden she's like this demon girl. Satanic. Yeah, Hollywood ruined her, bro. You can even see it just recently from from the the video she did with Post Malone. You know what I'm saying? Like she looks like a natural feminine woman, and then not even ha- not even a year later, bro, she's covered in blood and and all demonic and. Dude, I met here's, her. In, I met her look. face to face. I met the girl face to face, and I, I was here's like, "Wow, thing, oh, bro, Doja when Cat, super about... cool. Like, she's she's actually really nice." And then I I remember when she she hosted the MTV uh, Music Awards, and I was like, yeah. "What? Like Doja Cat? Nobody knew who you were a year ago. Now you're the host. And now she's this super demon chick. So like, she is proof positive that the the music industry will reward you for being a demonic freak." Yes, yes. Look, I, I back in the day, bro. I've never talked about this, but to anyone, by the way, on on a podcast. Back in the day, I used to talk to Ariana Grande, bro. Okay, I met her online. She had a personal Facebook profile. This was a long time ago. She was uh, working with Disney, and she just started her music career. So she was, um, what's the show? She was in that show with that girl from iCarly. There was a show called Sam and Cat or something like that. Okay. Okay. And and I didn't know. I, at the time, I was already unplugged. I didn't know who Ariana Grande was. And the only reason I even looked into this is because she would comment on my post because we talked online. She would comment on my post. And I had some girls messaging me in full hater mode. Oh, that's not really Ariana Grande. You're getting catfished. I'm like, catfish? What are you talking about? I don't. I don't, we're not, it's like, it wasn't like that. Like we were just like talking, like we were friends or whatever. And I was like, why are you even flipping out about this girl? Anyway, who is she? They're like, you don't know who Ariana Grande is. I'm like, no, they're like, she's a Disney star. I was like, I don't watch, I don't watch them. I'm a grown ass man. I don't watch Disney. So I was like, <laughs> I, I had to go and Google, I had to go and Google her name, bro. And I was like, what? And so I knew it was really her. Cause 
the Facebook business page for Disney had tagged the girl from iCarly, her business page, and both and tagged both of them in a post about the Sam and Cat show. And they tagged this profile for Ariana Grande, which was a profile of whoever I was talking to. And uh, not even a couple weeks after that, she had messaged me saying that they were going to delete her. She was going to delete her profile because her managers didn't want her to have a personal profile. She was only going to be able to, to have a business profile and it was going to be managed by another person because she was getting death threats and all this weird stuff, you know, free people, freaks are with celebrities, or whatever. But she, at the time, talking to this girl, bro. I would never in my mind, like, she seemed like a wholesome young woman, bro. Like, I'm telling you, she probably was, dude. And she down to earth, wholesome. I guarantee she was. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a black pill, I guess we'll call it, to see where she's ended up because she almost looks non-human at this point. I see pictures of Ariana Grande. She looks, she looks like soul sucked. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She's like, now she's like dressing slutty, promoting abortion, uh, look at dude, and it's was... not even the sluttiness. It's she looks like a, like an android. She looks like a, like a like a synthoid. Yeah, yeah, they get synthesized like they're. She looks like a clone. Uh, like like yeah. I mean, really though, like she, it's it's like disturbing, and that that's a bit of a black pill. And like you know, Doja Cat is is sort of a bit of a black pill too. But I mean, if we could talk about the various pills, right? Let's get away from music sure. for a bit. I want to ask you about uh. So we all know what the red pill is, right? You know, it's, you know, the matrix, the common cliche. A black pill is when you find something that's like really depressing. You find out a really sort of like sobering fact. And it's like, oh, damn, I'm like black pilled from that. Then you got the white yeah. pill. You got the white pill, which is a, a fact that gets you hopeful. Like, oh, it's a fact that a lot of people are waking up. Okay, demonism is out in the open. And a lot of people are waking up to it. I guess that's a bit of a white pill. It's a, it's it's an unfortunate fact, but it's, you know, kind of good at the same time. And then you got the blue pill. Obviously, that's your NPC pill where you just like plug yeah. into the matrix, uh, you know, droned out. Yeah. That we see a lot of people as. Then you got the, the main pill, which I think is the most important pill, which is the Christ pill. Right. Mm. The God pill. But I feel like everybody sort of is an atheist or on the fence about spirituality until they really wake up to God. You know what I mean? But is, you know, is that what a gold can, pill is? Is that what you say? A, would you say a gold sure. pill is a Christ I, pill? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to break it down, man. So the gold pill is something that I came up with. Uh, part of what is in, in the gold pill theory does have to have a lot to do with faith. And uh, and I'm going to explain what, what I mean by that. So in the Matrix movie, uh, you remember, um, what is his name? Cy- uh, was it Cyrus? Cypress? The guy who was the coder? Cypher. The the red- Cypher, there you go. Cypher was red-pilled. Neo was red-pilled. Morpheus was red-pilled, okay? Everyone on the ship was red-pilled. Now, Morpheus had faith in a prophecy and neo didn't know what to believe but after being newly red pilled and being exposed to the prophecy by morpheus kind of clung onto morpheus's faith in the prophecy either way he was just kind of moving forward regardless whether he really believed in it or not Something about Morpheus's faith inspired him to just move forward regardless. Uh-huh. Now, Cypher being red-pilled, 
he knew what was going on, but had chosen to go back to being ignorant. He sold everybody out for the fake. To go back into the Matrix, yep. Right. Even though he was red-pilled. So just because you're red-pilled doesn't mean you're you're Neo. That's amazing. Wow. So the red the red pill was not enough. The red pill brought Cypher to the point of he was aware, but he was scared of this new knowledge. So he decided to opt out for the lie. He wanted to opt back into the matrix. He said, I know the fake is state the stake is fake, but it tastes so good. He was tired of what is the cold hard truth, bro? The slop, the itchy burlap clothes, yep. sleeping on the cold ship. Yep. Not having all the pleasures of life that they had in the Matrix, living in comfort and luxury in this world of the Earth in 1990-whatever. So he opted out to, to go back into that state of ignorance so that he could be comfortable again. Now, everyone else was red-pilled too, but some of them just didn't believe in Morpheus and the prophecy. They didn't, believe, they didn't have hope that there was any change. They walked around living their life, knowing that one day, like, they were just, the Sentinels were going to find them, the city would be destroyed, their livelihoods would be upturned, and Mm -hmm. they were just just sitting around counting the hours, bro. But Morpheus... But Morpheus believed in something bigger than all of it. He believed in a prophecy, and he was unwavering. He was gold-pilled. Well, check this out. The gold <laughs> pill for me was when I realized, okay, the red pill, the blue pills, you go back to sleep. The red pills, you wake up. But being awake is not enough. To me, the gold pill was the next step. The gold pill was having enough faith in something that all the things you learn from being red pilled cannot discourage you wow. because you know you, you cling in this. And if you don't have faith, you can be like Neo and just cling to people that do have faith. Like, I don't know. This dude Morpheus is nuts, but he obviously believes unwaveringly in what he's saying. So regardless of whether I feel good about it or I think it's I believe or not, do I have faith? Do I not have faith? Who cares about how I feel? I'm just going to move forward because at least this guy has faith. So you can either develop this faith on your own or be around like-minded people who have the faith. If you feel discouraged with what you learn, whatever it is you discover, at some point you may want to stop. You may want to go back. You may want to just be like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this no more. Yeah. It's making me upset. Because essentially, Cypher was black pilled. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so he got black pilled and he was like, damn, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'm going to go back into the matrix. You got to, yep. after you take that red pill, you got to be gold pilled. Yeah. So the thing is, is that this, I see this happen a lot. So a lot of red pillars and truthers will end up falling for a lot of deception and lies and stuff out there because it's telling them something that comforts them. Either that or you just you have this feeling where it's like you want to just be back in your ignorant bliss. You want to, you know, go back to watching movies and listening to the radio and going to the clubs and, you know, and watching Netflix and, you know, stupid stuff on YouTube and just act like everything's normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the biggest thing, and, and I'll probably get a little pushback about this from some folks, but I think the biggest thing and the most soul crushing thing is red pillars that just get up in the morning and go to work. 
and, I, and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't make a living, but uh, it was a few years back, man, when uh, the BLM riots were going on. And I remember talking to people saying, how come, you know, conservatives don't go out there and how come people that know the truth about stuff don't go out there in mass and demand to be heard? I'm not talking about riots, not talking about burning down buildings, but how come you just like not even showing up at all? And the number one response I got every from everybody was, I got well, a we job. All have, yeah, I have a job and we have to pay our bills and we have to pay, feed our kids. And I said, you know, that's this is my problem. I understand that. I don't know how you don't understand how that's all going to be fucking ripped from you in the next few years if you stay silent, if you do nothing. That's all it's going to take is for you to do nothing and say, well, I can't be out there like those other people because I got a job. So I feel like I feel like there's still an element there of the cipher syndrome where it's like, I know this is all fake but it's giving me comfort at the moment. It's paying my bills right now and it's feet and I'm hung. I'm not starving to death. Gas ain't $20 a gallon. There ain't UN whatever people kicking in my door. But if that's what it's going to take to get you out of snap out of that, it will be too late at that point. Exactly. What you, that's like the truest statement of all man. And, and you know, that that's why people want to go back into the matrix. It's a trap though. It, it's, it's a tough trap that they put around everybody and it's intentional for exactly what you said for people who are awake for people who are red pilled for people who are aware to not get involved and not get engaged and jump back into the matrix literally it's it's tethered to you like like a cord like in the matrix like a cord yeah it's tethered to you man (sighs) what you just said is so profound but like what do you suggest to people that can't really do it. See what I'm doing is I think I have these skills. I can make a podcast. I can edit a show together. I can edit some reels together. I can make an Instagram. I can wake some people up. If I, if I can just wake up a few people, then it's worth it. You know what I mean? So I feel like I am doing something, but then at the same time, it's like, what do you do? You go out there and pick it and, and do a sign. And then what, where does that even really get you? You need to really have, I feel like for, and for that technique to sort of be effective, you need to come out and absolute overwhelming numbers let me i'll tell you like this yeah well there's one thing there's one thing there's coming out in overwhelming numbers doing the protest and getting your voice heard like blm and all these other guys right here's the other thing and this worked once before so i know it could work again how about showing up to local political meetings your local legislative district meetings how about showing up to the first Tuesday, how about asking your mayor some questions since they work for you that maybe they should answer a couple questions about what policy is going to be coming? Who are they going to be hiring to be your chief of police? You know what's so funny about what you're saying, Angel? You know, you're, you're right. But you know what's so funny? Nobody, you can go up to 100 people, all right? I guarantee you 
90 of them won't even know who the hell their mayor is. They make local politics so boring and so (laughs) out of sight, out of mind. And everybody always just focuses on the big politics, like the presidential and the governors and all this. Nobody even cares about what's happening locally because it's never, ever shown to the. That's actually a profound statement, bro. You know why it's not shown? I'm going to tell you right now why it's not shown to people and why it's not exciting. And this is how I can prove even the red pillars and everyone else all still live in the matrix. Okay, it's because there's no money in it. Do you know how much money it costs to run for president? How many people are middlemanning that money? How much money does it take to run for your state legislator? Not as much as it takes to run for a governor, a senatorial seat, or the presidency. Though that means that there is industry surrounded around those seats of office. There is industry where middlemanners get to get in there. And make a quick buck. And I'm not, listen, I know how this works. I ran for office. I ran for a state legislator here in Arizona. And I can tell you, I mean, if you're running, one of my buddies who ran for Congress, I ran for state house, but one of my buddies that ran for Congress, he spent $75,000 of his own money just to get enough signatures to get on the ballot. There is money involved in politics that makes it an industry, which means that you're going to either, one, be profitable, and people are going to give a shit and watch, or two, you're the fucking WNBA, and nobody cares. It's a snooze alert. Yeah. So you and have that's to, exactly you what's have happening to attract, with local politics. You got to attract donors. You got to attract the big bucks if you're ever going to have a chance. doesn't matter what your your outlook is. doesn't matter if you're the, you're the best candidate. You got the best ideas. Yep. You got the best policies. You're saying all the right things. If you can't get donors and you're doing everything out of pocket, then you, if you don't have the actual capital behind you on your own, you're never going to go anywhere. And here's the other thing. How, do you, how are you supposed to make it exciting? See, everybody was rallying, dude. Everybody was all excited when Donald Trump ran for president and when Donald Trump was campaigning the second time around. The dude is an entertainer, and there was billions of dollars behind promoting him. Let me, I'll put it to you this way, man. Back in 2016, Hillary spent $600 million. Donald Trump spent about half as much as her, and he still won. But Hillary spent about $600 million campaigning. I um I worked with a guy. I was a copywriter for a digital agency for like seven years. And the guy that ran that digital agency told me that him and a group of other digital agency owners were part of a coalition of, of agencies that were hired, contracted to run political ads. And he wasn't supposed to mention it, but he ran ads for Hillary Clinton. He didn't vote for it, but, but he ran ads for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> they were hired to. Dude, she spent $19 million in one day on social media ads. Wow, dude. $19 million. That was the campaign that they were running for her. That one ad campaign that they ran and monitored, they spent $19 million in one day. Now, they make this stuff exciting because they got PR agents. They got marketers. They got copywriters. People like me that will come in and write things and emails and ads and video scripts to make things exciting and polarizing and controversial. And it's like watching sports. It's like watching WWF. It's like watching pro wrestling. It's it's all scripted. I know people like me are writing the scripts. I'm a copywriter. So I knew that I could get in there and, and really 
I could really wreck things with a good campaign. The problem was I had no money, no donors, and when I went to my legis my LD20 meetings, like my legislative district, bro, uh, it was mostly Democrat. But if you show, if you came to one of our legislative district meetings, bro, and you look looked around, I've never seen more than like 40 people in the room. I don't even think I don't even think there was 40 people in that room at any given time. Wow. So the problem is that if you went, you got to make I it went, sexy. You got to go in like Alex Stein, well, and you know what I mean. Like you got. <laughs> but look, well, here in contrast to that, my first Trump rally I went to, there was thirty thousand attendees. My, I went to a Trump dude. He was already president. Dude, he was running tr- for. Trump rallies look like Metallica concerts. They yeah, it felt like a Metallica concert. They're huge. You know what? It was more than that. It felt like the it felt like a Grateful Dead concert because every every place I every rally I went to, I saw the same people there. Oh really? Yeah, like, like roadies. Like, yeah, like the Deadheads. You know, just following yeah, yeah, them around until yeah. it died out. Yeah, dude. There was people. I would see people. The guy. Now I'm not, and I'm not, and I all respect. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying this is what it was like. The dude in the brick suit. He's cool. He's the homie. <laughs> like I, I've seen. You know, I'll be honest, because I'll be honest, bro. Like, I know a lot of these other influencers. I know a lot of celebrities. You're talking about Bryson earlier, bro. That's the homie. I hate me and him hang out every time he comes to AZ. Like, like we, like I, I love the rallies. I love the energy. My biggest problem, though, is I could not even get a, a quarter of a percent of that energy for yeah. people to be excited about who it was making. Uh, legislating the district where their children were living or vote or going to the school governing boards where the people are deciding curriculums for their children. You know, the people that get to decide the philosophy that shapes your child's outlook on themselves as a human being, I think it's more important than Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you probably got more people at your events though, than Joe Biden gets at any of his though. So Uh, I think you got him beat there. The line to the bathroom at my event was bigger than Joe Biden's rally, bro. <laughs> Dude, remember during the COVID, the little circles where people had to sit <laughs> in the circles? Bro, in his home state. They were, they were in Delaware, in his home state. And then the camera crew showed outside, and there was one guy with the sign. He was looking around sad, and he actually said, he goes, am I the only one here? <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's only you, bro. Wake up. Take the red oh, pill. Man. Take the gold pill, that dude. That dude, that's so funny, yeah. bro. I remember how dystopian that all looked, man. They're like sitting in those little circles with their masks on. Or, oh, Hi, oh. Joe Biden. Oh, my God. I love you. Asking him the hard questions. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? <laughs> chocolate, chocolate chip. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Little chocolate, baby booties. That's my favorite. <laughs> I love kids jumping in my lap. And I got hairy legs. And got hairy legs. <laughs> Corn Pop was a bad dude. That was my favorite. The, that was my favorite. Dude, there's just endless of them. There's just endless of them. You, there's a hurricane coming, so my best advice to you is to get vaccinated now. No, <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh, bro. It's too, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah, man, I mean, if you think about it, bro, like that, even that more. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I got to give to Democrats, bro. Uh, they are organized on a local level. They're able to so, rally their troops for yeah. sure. So when I was. When it's like I they was, put out a they, signal, right? It's like they put out a frequency <laughs> or something and then they all. Pfft. 
tap into it. Mm, must obey, must obey, must riot, like, must riot, must like, stand for Ukraine, must get vaccinated, <laughs> must wear mask. I support the current thing, yeah. yeah I support the current so, thing, must get microchip, must take the mark of the beast, must hail Satan, must chop off my penis, must take chop off little girls' breasts. Well, now, yeah, they're like, you don't let some guy dangle his, a guy in a dress dangle his balls in front of your kid. You must be a bigot. You how know, dare you? This is, it's dare, Pride Month, you bigot. You? And it's not just how Pride Month, you? it's Pride Summer. And then it's going to be Pride <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you know, you know, in Canada, I was actually listening to Chris Sky. Chris Sky was saying that, like, the, the actual government of Canada has declared, like, summer Pride season. Like, it's, it's literally Pride. Summer is Pride season. Yeah, it's also they, 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 in in Canada. It's like the uh, uh, A B C D L G B T Q A I plus plus one two three four five schwa square triangle British Family Coat of Arms. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, transhumanist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we penetrate yes, the cabinets, and one of my favorite disciples is on uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. Prime Minister Trudeau is very good for our great reset. <laughs> Roger, the 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 oh man, you've seen the um the pictures of Trudeau next to Fidel Castro, bro? Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's a Identical. spinning image. It's a spinning yeah. image. You know, you know who they say Barbara Bush's father was, right? Uh, uh, Hitler. Alistair Crowley. I believe it. Barbara Brush actually, she looks like Aleister Crowley. She does a lot. Could be yeah. him in a wig. Dude, when I, when I like look into Crowley, I know we're like just getting off into so many tangents here, but know, that's, right? that's, that's what happens here. I like, you know, sometimes when we get into <laughs> podcasts with, with two gold pillars, you know what I mean? We could yeah. just, and, and two dot connectors, we could just freaking jump off in every single little dot on the grid. And uh, when I look into Crowley, it's weird how like he was like a celebrity back in the day. And like he, yeah. he was like he was like loved, you know, like not loved, but like he was like a like an infamous kind of guy. But he hung out with the Beatles, he hung out with Elvis, yeah, yeah, he yeah. hung out with all of these the, recording like artists. Star. Yeah. yeah. He was like a rock star. Well, you know, he was an MI6 agent. Yeah, and, I, uh, I've heard Jay Dyer yeah. talk about that whole yeah, sort of expose. Was, dude was deep state, but Here's what's crazy, man. So he he influenced so much of esoteric groups and Satan, like the Satanic Church. He 100%. was not a Satanist himself. A lot of people say he was a Satanist. He was he a psyop. Yeah, he wasn't a Satanist. He was a deep state psyop, bro. And he influenced a lot of the Satanic Church. Which but he was a Satanist by proxy because he was an agent of Satan. He was a willing agent was, of Satan. Oh, he, he was mm-hmm. absolutely an agent of Satan. So he was a saying. Satanist by proxy. <laughs> Check this out, dude. So uh, I interviewed the Illuminati whistleblower Leo Zagami on my YouTube. Oh, that's channel. awesome! That's huge. Yeah, bro, he's a good dude, bro. I met him. I met him a few years ago, uh, tw- was it 2019, 2020, and we ended up becoming really good friends, man. And, that's awesome. And I, I, yeah, he interviewed me on his on his channel a couple times. I've interviewed him on mine like three times. YouTube blocked the last. He's got video. the funny. He's got the greatest Italian accent you could ever hope to hear. Dude, I've had literally had people message me. They're like, dude, can you put freaking subtitles on the videos? I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I cannot understand them. 
But, so the uh, Illuminati and the Luciferian Illuminati. I, <laughs> I love the way he talks, bro. I love it. But, but yeah, dude, so, he hits uh, hard, man. If you listen to Leo Zagami dot connectors, you're freaking gonna you're gonna be listen, man. Diamond pilled. I don't know what you're. <laughs> <laughs> dude, the guy. Okay, so the dude. Well, first of all, he grew up in the Vatican. Yeah. Right. Like I like he told me his whole life story, bro. When I first met him, I'm telling you like this. So I would research. I was researching the Illuminati and stuff for like twelve years, right? Uh, I knew who he was, and I found out he was a defector. I found out he was a whistleblower. Uh, I also found out that he was Alex Jones's Vatican insider for like ten years, and I seen videos of him talking about this stuff, you know, with Benjamin Fulford and the Princess of Japan and stuff. So when I found out he moved to America. In 2019, how do I, I rest, I rest, I friended him on Facebook right away. And I sent him a message like, yo, Leo, like I need to meet you in person. We need to talk, bro. Isn't that awesome? Like how, how open this like sort of community is though. Like when you reach out to people, they get, they get back to you and they want to work with you and they want to interact with you, man. Like I, I just had Clay Clark on, on the show last week. And then he liked my Yuval Noah Harari impression so much. He invited me out to Vegas to go on stage at the wake up America tour and do my Yuval Harari impersonation on straight. Yeah, you did it. You did a good Leo impression right now. Bro. Yeah, I, I, have impressions. I have fun with impressions. I have fun with it. Yeah. But yeah, no. So, so Leo, I meet him in person, right? He's doing a, turns out he was doing a book signing here in Arizona, like in a couple weeks. And I was like, dude, I'm going to go meet you. He said, okay, cool. Come through. So I showed up, I wait for him to, his event to be over. I hung out with him like two hours afterwards, bro. This is in Kingman, Arizona, bro. It's a little small town in Arizona, close by to Vegas. Oh my God. And, uh, and we're hanging out for two hours. I told him, I said, look, bro, I've been following you for like 10 years. I know your story, I've been re- but I don't, I, I don't want to be chasing ghosts online anymore. I want you to tell me everything and you're not going to scare me. And we can go as fast as you want because my brain works like this. Tell me everything. And he told me everything, bro. And he told me his story, his life story, bro. And how all the way to the point how he ended up in America. And it was nuts. It I mean, if they made a movie, if we made, dude, there's movies out there that are not as, you couldn't, you couldn't make this stuff up. You couldn't make this stuff up. But I'll I tell bet, you this, dude. Man. I bet. I mean, it's like a lot of these sort of OGs of this movement have like real personal ties to what motivate them you know like 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 uh like david ike you know when he talks about how he he tripped out on ayahuasca and like uh, had a whole thing uh, alex jones he talks about how his you know his father was recruited by darpa and like his uncle was yep. in special ops and he he would hear about conversations about the cyborgs at the dinner table when he was a little kid you know greg reese yep. talks about how like he was like he, he, he when he was a little kid he was like in a there was like a cult that like raised him or something like, so, I mean, my origin story isn't as crazy as <laughs> some of these guys, but it's just incredible. Like how this community, like we, we see people like Leo Zagami or Alex Jones or, you know, Clay Clark to me, I was a huge Clay Clark friggin' fan. And it's like the fact that I had him on, it's like, these people that we look up to, they're open to wanting to collaborate because it's a real yeah. human soul to soul frequency that is resonating with all of us. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's crazy. You think like, I thought in my mind, you know, we all kind of grew up with this idea, this, this concept of like celebrities or influence people, influential people or whatever 
Like, you can't get, like, it's in the movies. They put us in the movies to make it look like they're just separate from us, right? You can't get close to them without, like, a vetting, going through a vetting process, or you got to be connected, you got to know somebody, whatever. I tell you what, dude, after meeting Leo and seeing how easy it was to just go in there and talk to somebody and finding out that they were being a gen- they were genuine about the story and, and their beliefs and their and their motives, man, that just set, a, it set off a domino effect with me. I started going up talking to everybody. Bro, I've met Donald Trump Jr. multiple times. Uh, this is how I ended up. Uh, and then people would find me on Instagram and we would link up and meet each other at like an event. We end up becoming friends. I was hanging out with, you know, Bryson. Tyson, Forgiato, Blow, Jimmy Levy. And you just if you and because you're consistent and because you stick to it and because you truly believe in it and that's sort of what I'm finding out with this journey, you know, especially like because I had to leave my job that I loved so much. Like I liked working for Sirius XM. Like I worked there for five years and I really want like that was like my job, like my dream company to work for. And you know, I had to cut ties with them because of the Vax mandate and all that stuff. But I, I would never choose differently. Like I'm, I'm happy. I'm on this path. It's starting to reap. God is never wrong. And you know, I'm just following God. And I'm as a dot connector, as a, as a gold pillar, you know, we, we, we friggin' crushed it today, dude. I want to ask you just one thing. Cause I I would be remiss if I don't cover this. What do you think is going on in Hawaii? Do you think, I, do you think it's a controlled demolition going on, whether it's space lasers, whether it's directed energy weapons, whether it's, you know, natural fires being embellished. Do you, you think it's probably a, a controlled demolition going on in Hawaii, right? Trying to buy up I all mean, the land. Bro, the- listen, man, there, there, there's one thing I know is that there's no such thing as coincidence. The, the government wanted the land. The people wouldn't give up the land. They got it, bro. And folks, this is a historical technique that elite oligarchical uh, groups do to when they want to acquire land that the people aren't willing to give up. They will burn it out. They'll destroy it so they can come claim it for themselves and rebuild it in their image. So this is this is. Yeah, this is a thing that happened millions of times in history. Yeah, this is pillaging. It's an age old technique. They're just using modern um, technology to do it. With. So That's what all. do you think the domino effect is going to be here? So like we want to connect those dots. We want to see the future. We want to understand what's probably going to happen next. Are they going to have enough gumption after this? Because because we know about Hawaii is like a test island for them. It's all alone. It's by itself. It's completely globalist controlled. If you follow what they were doing with their COVID protocols, it was completely dystopian and draconian what they were doing with COVID. So they used Hawaii as sort of like this beta test laboratory to do sort of psyops and whatever they want to do whatever crisis is you know every time on connect those dots i talk about how Klaus schwab and yuval harari they say we need the crisis we need this crisis to come so we can control it and yuval we never let the little good crisis go to waste so that they they talk about this and this is a good crisis where do you think this leads because we see we see things like east palestine with the chemical the chemical disaster are we gonna see a domino effect of disasters and it's gonna become commonplace i'll tell you you right now man this is biblical this is prophesied like we have to see it happen there's no way that there's going to be another outcome unless and this is the biggest thing we go right back to to the gold pill theory if there was enough people who were actively involved at a local level and this is one of the things that i had 
aspirations to create when I was running for office is I wanted to have my district be a testing ground for establishing our own local economic forum, our own local forums on ecological crisis responses, our own local forums on um, criminal the anti-world reform. economic forum. Correct. So basically, there's a lot of these globalist proxies and different forums and groups, and they all meet, they have all their members and all this stuff. And they're very private. It's closed doors. They invite some journalists. Those journalists aren't allowed to report what they're really talking about. If we were to do the exact opposite of that, and we created our own local forums, and we were having people there of all walks of life, there's no way. Listen, I'm a Republican. If I won and became the representative for legislative district 20 in arizona i would be representing every republican democrat and independent in that district there's no way in hell anyone would convince me that i'm not representing all those people yeah. i don't care about this partisan politics stuff bro it is a bunch of bs and this is the reason why we are so torn apart see we can disagree on everything it doesn't make us enemies the enemy is the system and if we are going to fall into the trap that oligarchs have used forever into tricking these uh, revolutionaries and these rebel leaders into fighting against the old system. Well, the new trap, the new system was already being created by these oligarchs so that when you tore down the system for them and create a vacuum of power for their, them to just come in with the new solution they already had pre-created, Yep. then we're going to just continue running from one slave owner to the next. So yep. the idea is not to fall for the trick where we got to fight the others or we got to fight the system. The trick is to create a new system that is so well put together, it attracts everybody on a local level and it makes the old system obsolete. So you don't have to burn anything down, break anything down, okay? You create a new system that makes the old system obsolete. Now, I love the ideas that some people have, thinking that uh, you know Trump was going to come in there and, and, and fix everything from the top down. I like the idea now, Vivek's, what Ramaswamy's talking about that, coming in and gutting the federal government by like 50% and gutting all these alphabet agencies. I love that talk. And I love these guys for having the balls to do that. But you know what? It is, it is a fallacy for us as Americans, to believe that that is the option we have. You voting for Trump does not save this country. You getting off your ass every single week that there is an opportunity to do so and attending a local forum, a local meeting, your first Tuesdays, posting up, go to your mayor's office, go to your school board meetings, get involved, bring at least three of your friends with you, get the laziest ones. Get them off their asses and go and be a part of your community and stop living like, you know, we can't talk about having the spirit of 1776 when they didn't sit around on their couch staring at a phone in 1776. They were out there. They were out here and they were doing the most and they had shorter lifespans, no luxuries and no guarantee that any of it was going to work. We are lazy and we and it is disgusting. We are but this is where we're tethered into the matrix, the synthesized reality that people live in. We can't sit at home, sit on our phones and type angry words on Instagram posts and, and go out there and be like, well, I'm not a stinking liberal, so I'm going to vote for Trump and everything's going to get better. It is major bullshit. And if we don't stop talking that way, then, yeah, 
exactly what you said is going to happen. This is going to be a domino effect. The elites have won. Put just go ahead and go and lay down. You know, expend your time with your children that you can now. Look at them. Show them all the love you can, because one day, all of this that you are comfortable with will be ripped out of your hands if you don't do the the least amount of work you can do, which is get up, turn the phone off, go outside, show up to your local meetings, show up to local political rallies, get involved, find out who represents your district, find out who's uh, governing your school board. At the very least, I mean, a lot of pe- a lot of people are are I mean. They don't even know what their kids are learning in school. They don't even know. It just goes on and on, dude. It just goes on and on, dude. A lot of people are blue-pilled. And a lot of people who take the red pill become black-pilled and want to take the blue pill again. But you get that red pill, then you get white-pilled. And then you get Christ-pilled. Then you get gold-pilled. Then you get active. Then you become like me. You become like Angel. You become you become a badass. You get involved. You're in it. You're you're battling the matrix head first, headlong. So dot connectors, gold pillars. Listen to what Angel said. He dropped some badass knowledge. And it, you know, it might sound a little uh oh, it hurts my feelings, but I don't want to get up off my ass. I, I like my Netflix. Okay. Just you're you're not gonna have any Netflix, you're not gonna have anything if you don't like get involved, all right? Very soon. You think the people in Maui right now are worrying about their Netflix? No, No, they're not. They got demolished, globalist style, cold-blooded, cutthroat, all right? So it's no joke. So get up, get active now, or die. And that's the gold pill. That's the dot-connecting moment for this episode. Angel, dude, I want to thank you so much. This was a really great conversation, really great podcast. Where can people find all your awesome work? Yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. I'm going to be uh, re uh, re uh, furbishing my YouTube channel soon. They can find me on YouTube under Gold Pill Patriot uh, or just on Instagram or, or x.com under Gold Pills, G-O-L-D-P-I-L-L-Z-Z. That's Gold Pill with two Zs at the end. The two Zs are for everyone still sleeping. God bless, man. And I'll have all those links in the description below. Peace out. God bless. Always connect those dots.